Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the show here on the 7th of June. I am Dr. Peter Kapsner filling in for Carmen LeBurge. It is it is mornings sans Carmen. It is mornings without, without Carmen. Carmen. It is mornings missing Carmen. You you name it. For the next couple of weeks, though, Carmen has a well-deserved break. She'll be back. Don't she, worry. she will be back indeed. But delighted to be in the host chair here for these couple of weeks with all of you listening as we're exploring life and God's kingdom together as we start the day. And uh, Paul, before we get back into even some of the subjects we've been talking about this morning, about the church and the future of the church, some of the headlines coming out. Uh, as part of the extensive research you and I do for the show, you have unearthed the fact that today, mm-hmm. of all days, mm-hmm. is National Chocolate Ice Cream mm-hmm. Day. I, I have so many questions about this, Paul. First of what's, all... What's the, what's the question? Well, the question is... Why, what why, is two questions? Why, why this flavor of ice cream? Like, why we? I, I feel like vanilla and strawberry being left out. Why did we end up with National Chocolate Ice Cream Day? Why do we not have another flavor? We're just, we, we seem to be excluding. I, I, I do believe there is a vanilla day out there. I could do some hunting on that one. National Villa, Vanilla Ice Cream Day. Strawberry, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, part of the problem is it's hard to find. You know, I, I, I have a... Family member who says her, her she thinks it has to do with aliens. It, oh, of course, because everything, all the conspiracies have to do with aliens yes, right it, now. That of course, the aliens. Anytime they sense strawberry ice cream, they come and abduct it. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I know is growing up, we only had three flavors of ice cream because when I was going through my research last night for the show and preparing mm-hmm. with the show notes that I, I was thinking back to the 1970s and 80s, and I'm sure many of our listeners can be are familiar with, the, with this era as well, where we really only had three flavors of ice cream. It was chocolate. And it was vanilla and it was strawberry. And locally here, at least in the Midwest, there was this place called Bridgman's. Uh-huh. And Bridgman's was one of the first purveyors of ice cream. And you could get a scoop of chocolate or you could get a scoop of vanilla or you could get a scoop of strawberry. But they had something called the Lollapalooza. And if you really wanted to go all in on this ice cream deal, they would come out with eight scoops of ice cream. Eight scoops. Eight. eight scoops of ice cream. I'm sure it had whipped cream, hot fudge, caramel sauce, all of the above. And if you managed to finish this, I'm sure 74,000 calorie delectable mm-hmm. dessert, you got a button at the end of it. You got a button. That's all you got for eating eight scoops of ice cream back then uh, from Bridgman. So I'm curious if you're listening this morning and anywhere <laughs> near where there was a Bridgman's, and I know there's still a few left in our country, but if you have ever eaten a Lollapalooza, all eight scoops of ice cream, we'd love to hear from you this morning at 877-933-2484 from a, from a text standpoint. Yeah, don't call in, but we want to, maybe even a, a picture of the button would be terribly appropriate <laughs> if you still have it from the Lollapalooza. So it is in National Chocolate Ice Cream Day. I know for me personally, Oreo ice cream is still sort of the one when that when we branched out into four and five and six flavors, that was the one that really did it for me. So if you even have a favorite ice cream flavor, maybe of which I am unaware, I'd love to hear about it this morning. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to pick up the conversation that we left with David French 
at the last half of last hour. And I'll, I'll take you into some of the research that is able to do in the classroom with my young students and their perceptions about the church, life in the kingdom, what they see moving forward, because there is both consternation, but there is also great hope. So stay with us. There is more to come this morning here on Mornings Without Carmen. It's about nine and a half minutes past the top of the hour here on the 7th of June. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for Carmen LeBurge this morning. And we just had a really interesting conversation with David French in the last half of last hour. If you missed that, I highly recommend going back into the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com and checking out Mornings with Carmen to find that interview with David because he did just a great job of talking about one of the issues with that, uh, that has happened in the last 10, 20, 30 years of the church as we've developed sort of this celebrity culture where we really rally ministries around an individual voice, an individual person. There's lots of livelihoods at stake in all of that. And so these people tend to get protected even when there are legitimate allegations and they're human beings after all, and and there's failure there. But I think we would be remiss if we didn't understand that this does have a significant impact into the future uh, of how young people are understanding life in God's kingdom moving forward. And again, I want to be clear, Paul, something that we talked about early in the show is that there really, there's a difference between God's kingdom mm-hmm. and certain expressions of God's kingdom. Right. And so as, as we're living with some of these disturbing headlines and some of the difficulty that we've seen, God's kingdom is not under threat. But part of how we understand God's sovereignty is that his kingdom will remain. This is the passage from Isaiah. There will be a government that is on his shoulders. And right. of the increase of that government, there will be no end. The kingdom will remain. But boy, oh boy, in the course of history, both in the nation of Israel in the Old Testament and then uh, in the New Testament times these last 2,000 years, there have been uh, documented evidence over and over and over again where there's been a beautiful expression of God's kingdom, but also times in which it has become terribly corrupted and in deep need of reform. That's not a bash of Christianity because Jesus is real and he is risen and he is the Lord of a beautiful kingdom. But boy, we fall short from time to time in this. There's so many different directions we can go on this conversation. Um, one has to do with, okay, institutions. I, we were talking about this before, and it keeps coming to mind for me because I just read um, from the second volume of, of Common Grace from uh, from Kuiper. He talked about the church as institution and the church as organism. Right. And we we struggled because we the the institution is kind of the external visible expression we see that whether it be you know following a good ministry a great church you, you were talking last hour about being part of a mega church and in the move i mean there, it's an expression and it gets to be so huge and we start equating christianity with the with this institution this expression and yet what it really is is that organic relationship of God with us through grace, us with each other in that love, and I'm, this is kind of, I wish I had brought the book in, except volume right. two is like four inches thick. <laughs> it's a as, thick As a book. theologian is wont to be, right? you got to write a lot yes. of pages of, of difficult to understand material. But that's I think volume two. That's volume two. And, <laughs> but it gives us a chance to talk about this a little bit. And again, if you have some comments or questions or thoughts or just ruminations about sort of where we are in this time in, in life of the kingdom in our country, we'd love to hear from you. You can text into the studio at 877 
2484. Linda Mintel was not able to join us uh, yeah, sort of last second here this morning. So we wanted to take this opportunity to extend the conversation. But you bring up a really important point. Paul. And so now when I think about my young people, and there's lots of different ways to conduct research. There's what's called quantitative research, Mm -hmm. where you do surveys and kind of work out math and uh, algorithms and all of that uh, based on of surveys. But uh, the other form of legitimate research is is what's called qualitative research, or where you're doing kind of anecdotal story and you're you're finding patterns within the stories. And over these last five, six, seven years, as I've been teaching in various Christian ministry programs and a couple of different Christian institutions, actually, I get a chance to read young people's papers about their own experience within Christianity. And, and, and from doing that, it might be 100 papers per, per semester as they mm-hmm. reflect on that. You begin to see some of the themes. And I think one of the themes that we see pulled out is exactly what we're talking about this morning, is that they remain spiritually interested, that they have not shut down that side of themselves, right. but they will say things like, but I'm no longer religious. I don't want to participate in the institution because of what they say. There, there's a hypocrisy there. And, and mm-hmm. if we just want to define hypocrisy briefly this morning, it's the idea that what you're showing to the outside world is different than what's going on behind the scenes in your heart, different than what's going on behind the scenes in your behavior and your practice. And so there's this disconnect between the hidden realm that nobody sees and the external realm that is being seen out there. And that is probably the most pervasive thing that we've seen is we get these curtains pulled back. And the question that then is in front of us, and this has to do with what's the hope for the future, how do we bring an alignment with what's going on behind the scenes, not viewed in public, with what we are viewing in public, so that people, if you see them just in the normal activity of life at a coffee shop or or wherever it is in their families, that they're the same people that they might be if you see them speaking in front of 3,000 people. But, But that is, to bring that integration moving forward, whatever that looks like, I think is a really important piece of the puzzle that we actually are the people of God from the inside out, not just practicing certain kinds of things. Well, now you're bringing a whole different conversation about transparency and vulnerability. Yeah. <laughs> and so that that is, that's a hard thing for a lot of people because of the celebrity culture you were talking about a little while ago. Because if you get to see everything, you might not like them as much. Well, and I think it's it's challenging for, for leaders to be transparent in that way because there's the sense in which they have to be sort of this cleaned up image and, the, and they need to be perfect on just about every level. But Paul, I remember when I was speaking in front of a, of a few thousand people in this mega church and was about 32 years old, and, and I'm not going to say anything other than the fact that it was it was quite intoxicating, it had right? It. I mean, to, to, yeah, it really was. I mean, three services on the weekend and there's thousands of people and you're standing in the pulpit and and being identified as as a as a potential next megachurch pastor and all of that, and I remember um, God's sweet spirit intersecting into the middle, like l- right in the middle of giving a sermon, right in which I'm building my kingdom and and all of this is happening, and God's spirit is sort of gently spoke or just the impression of the heart. You know, we hear from those ears of the heart was. So hang on a second, Capsner. Let me get this straight. So you're going to start using my people, my beautiful people within my kingdom to leverage your own personal brand. <laughs> that was a lovely thought to have crossed, but I'll tell you what, it, it was, it was a moment it, it, that, and I thought, I don't want to be a part of building my own name for the kingdom because, oh boy, we are just like vapors, right? Mm-hmm. We, we come and go, our lives are so short uh, and, and to be doing that. But this is what young people are responding to. They're saying, you know what? I'm interested in who Jesus is. I'm not necessarily interested in following you and becoming a disciple of you, Capsner, or you, Ravi Zacharias, or you, who you, you fill in the blank in terms of the celebrity culture. So I think one of the remedies moving forward we have to talk about is what does it mean to invite people to follow Jesus and not follow a ministry and not follow a person 
and not follow an author. So that's one part of the remedy. When we come back after a short break, we'll talk about a few other things that I noticed in my young people's papers in terms of moving forward in the kingdom, uh, because the, the great hope is that Jesus will remain, of course, his kingdom is everlasting, and uh, there is great history of reformation in the church in the past, and we're on the verge of that today. So stay with us. More to come here this morning on Mornings Without Carmen. So it is National Chocolate Ice Cream Day today, uh-huh. and uh, we started at the top of this hour with different ice cream flavors that were people's favorite, and I even asked the question to any of our listeners, have they ever even heard of, if maybe just outright ate, an entire Lollapalooza from Bridgman's, which is eight scoops of glorious ice cream. Again, I'm sure some... With accoutrements. Some, with accoutrements. I'm sure 74,000 calories, and sure enough, uh, the listeners of this program so faithful. we got many texts coming in here. I've got texts from Jennifer, uh, one in downtown Wayzata. Jennifer, that was the one that my now wife and I grew up when uh, going to as well. And my friend challenged me when I was a sophomore, says Jennifer, in high school to eat a Lollapalooza and I challenged her back and we each finished it. I can remember the stomach ache I had after eating all that ice cream, but ice cream is still my favorite treat. I no longer have the button. Gave it to a friend with the button collection. <laughs> Jennifer, mad respect for finishing off that Lollapalooza for sure. We have amazing Bridgman's in Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, says a text for coming in. I suggest you come up here and go to our Bridgman's. Uh, Hallie and I are celebrating our 27th anniversary this weekend, and Duluth is one of the places that was on our radar. So if we make it up to Duluth, Paul, maybe this time next Monday when I'm still in the host chair, we'll uh, we'll (laughs) reflect on the Lollapalooza. Another writer in, I never had a Lollapalooza, but I worked at Baskin Robbins, that of the 31 flavors, and we had a similar nine-scoop dish. I think it was called the Matterhorn. Chocolate ice cream is good, but even better with a scoop of coffee ice cream alongside, indeed. Oh, well, keep the text coming in. There's a lot more to (laughs) to come, and we'll read a few more throughout the morning. We've been talking a little bit in this segment, as Linda Mintel was unable to join us, just reflecting a little bit about young people's perceptions in the church, and would love any questions or comments you have about that as well at 877-933-2484. I think besides the hypocrisy that uh, young people resist, even though they remain interested in spiritual things, Paul, is uh, another thing that they say often is that we're not talking about some of the things that really matter within their lives. And and I want to be careful when we say this because that does not diminish the things that might matter in my life, the things that I am worried about and the things that I'm concerned about and need wisdom and shepherding at the age of 50 or somebody who might be 90 years old and needing Mm -hmm. something different. So I don't want to prioritize the needs of the 20 year old or the 90 year old. I think we too often do that, right? We, we tell the young people that their needs are somehow more important Mm -hmm. than that of the, they're not, but I think in fairness, we can say they're different. And, and as I go through my ethics syllabus with my students, it's amazing to me the things that we have to cover that were simply not on my radar because the world has changed so much. I mean, you and I have talked at length, that in teaching a gender and sexuality class for these last 14 years, my syllabus 14 years ago, so entirely different. <laughs> I bet. We, I mean, we, we covered a little bit about living together back then, a little bit about pornography, a little bit about modesty, and that, those are some of the main questions. Mm-hmm. The syllabus has exploded in the last mm-hmm. 15 years, and we're still kind of behind the curve when it comes to same gender sexuality and, and gender blurring and sex trafficking, all of these things. We run out of time every semester covering. That's one thing that we're about a generation or two behind in being able to address. And, you know, that brings up an important question to me because, okay, growing up in various denominations, or around various denominations, especially if you're in ones that call that call themselves confessional, you know, we have the these different documents that kind of lay out the framework of that church body's doctrine. 
which not to say these are unimportant issues. Right. But you, you got to remember, these were the questions people were asking at that time. Yeah, it's and the question, the questions a lot of the kids have now is, OK, how does the gospel, how does God and his created world apply to X, Y, Z? What's going on right now? Because the world has just gone crazy. Yeah. And we've talked about you and I, you know, many times what really needs to happen is we need to sit down and think through that as as a community, as a church. Some of those issues how do we answer these questions? Because they're coming fast and furious. They are. They absolutely are. And I think you make such an important point that uh, oftentimes in churches, we unintentionally or unwittingly are teaching more doctrine that was based on some circumstance that was going on two, three, four hundred years ago. And that's why we tend to have certain passages of scripture that we invite to memorize. It's almost somehow mm-hmm. more important than others. And, and that's simply not the case. And it's not that these questions from the past aren't important. Of course, they're important. They're very important. But people are asking different questions and they need to know, okay, how does God speak into this? Indeed, yeah. And so that's where the wrestling really needs to happen right now. Yeah, indeed it does. Uh, we have a text coming in just about uh, church here as well. It's a great question from one of our listeners. How do you go about church shopping? As a young person, I don't really know where to start on my own. And wow, that is an incredibly important uh, piece of the puzzle and, and have some thoughts about that too, Paul. But I, you have a reaction <laughs> coming right out of the chute on this one. It is because look at the word shopping. Well, and I think that's what we're trained to do, right? Where it's oftentimes we're looking for a church that's going to fit our needs, not too different Mm -hmm. than maybe going to Target or Walmart to meet our needs there. And I think it's a, it's a very important question because we have this, this need to want to be a part of something. And, and I think to one of the issues that we run into in terms of division and power plays and strife is sometimes you might have 500 people that have all joined an organization because mm-hmm. that organization was going to fit their needs. And if the organization doesn't any longer fit their needs, then it becomes power plays or strife or they vote with their feet and all of that. So one of the suggestions we talk about in class in terms of carving out a pathway forward is, is can we just simply ask God together as a community, like, is this the place where I belong? Is this the place that I need to say yes to? Because when we say yes to God's invitation of leading into the unknown, then that's a rock on which we can stand independent of the circumstances that come, right? Mm-hmm. So so to just wonder about going to a church, just ask God, is this where I should be? Is this where you want me to be? That's different than saying, I'm coming here because they have a great latte, or I'm mm-hmm. coming here because I got a great jungle gym for my kids or kids camps, or I like exegetical preaching, or they're doing hymns instead of the, the timpani drums or something like that. If we can avoid the idea of going based on preference and like and all of that and, and just follow the shepherd's lead, then we say yes to something different in the unknown. And that's part of the remedy. It's just one part of it. And part of that is, too, is, okay, I'm going to commune with people, uh, commune with God through with other people. Right. If that is the goal, then the rest is, you know, secondary. It, it easily becomes secondary. If you're just looking for, it's got to be this style of music and this liturgical expression or that, mm, while those might be interesting, the Again, getting back away from the institutional to the organic, because we're supposed to be connecting with God and connecting with others. Yeah, I think that's that's a great place to leave the conversation here, Paul, where uh, what you just referenced in terms of even redefining the church, if we recognize that the church is not an organization with a website and a steeple and a sign and a staff and all of that, that is an organization. It might be part of the church, but the church, at least in the book of Acts, was the people of God who have decided to follow Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, to shine his beautiful light in the world around us. How we organize, how we gather, how we do those things 
is going to be different from time to time. But so we're not taking to task the people of God as uh, we're talking about the institution and the organization maybe needs a change so that we can begin to walk in the kind of relationships as the body of Christ that you referenced. So it's a great conversation. We have a ton more text too about the Lollapalooza and favorite Mm. ice cream stories. And somebody, somebody, dare I say, even used this horrid phrase, salad bar. And we're going to go ahead and read some more of those texts. I know I'm scandalized by the idea. We're going to read those texts coming up at the bottom of the hour here. And then Justin Jepson will join us for the last part of the show. He is the chapel director at the University of Northwestern St. Paul and has some great insights into what is happening in the lives of young people in the future. Glad to be with you this morning here on the 7th of June. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for today. We are being flooded with ice cream text, Paul Perot. This is exciting this morning. Ice cream for breakfast. Yes! It's a great start to the day. We have Jane. I'm late to this conversation, but I survived the Lollapalooza, those eight scoops of ice cream some 40 years ago. Salute. She she has the button. Another story here that I appreciated was uh, somebody who went to North Central University of Minneapolis, Minnesota, was touring the Midwest in a musical ministry group, driving van across the Mackinac Bridge. I know right where this is. We have a cabin Mm -hmm. up in that neck of the woods, Highway 2. It's so fun to go across the Mackinac Bridge. Just past the end of it, when one axle snapped about a mile from St. Ignace, got into town at a service station where they tried Mackinac Island Fudge. Best chocolate ice cream ever. You are not wrong in your assessment. I love the Mackinac Island Fudge. And then the last one is there are some ice cream shops that uh, somewhere here in Minneapolis-St. Paul, but I'm sure around the country as well, where they would hide a little malted milk ball at the bottom of the waffle cone. And that is one of the best parts of eating ice cream. The little, is little at the end. The little surprise treasure, whether it's a marshmallow, a malted milk ball, anything along those lines at the end. Thanks for the great text this morning uh, around ice cream. Keep them coming here at 877-933-2484 as we celebrate National Chocolate Ice Cream Day. Up next, Justin Jepson is on the line. We're going to talk a little bit more about young people and the future of the church. This is Max Lakato. In the hallway of my memory hangs a photograph. It's a picture of two people, a man and a woman, in the seventh decade of life. The man lies in a hospital bed in the living room, not in the hospital room. His body, for all practical purposes, is useless. Muscles have been ravaged by ALS. And even though his body is ineffective, his eyes scan the room for his partner, A woman whose age is concealed by her youthful vigor. She willingly goes taking care of her husband. With unswerving loyalty, she does what she's done for the past two years. Shave him, bathe him, feed him, comb his hair, and brush his teeth. On the day we buried my father, I thanked my mom for modeling the servant spirit of Christ. Quiet servanthood. This is Max Locato. It is 38 minutes past the top of the hour here, 22 minutes to the next stop of the hour. This is the 7th of June. I'm Peter Kapsner, and this is Mornings Missing Carmen this morning. And delighted to be joined now on the line by Justin Jepson, who is the Spiritual Formation Director at the University of Northwestern St. Paul, also runs all of the chapels, bringing in the guests, the different speakers, is in the lives of young people day in and day out and has a real sort of ground-level, ground-zero view of what's happening in the next generation. Good morning, Justin. Hey, good morning, Peter. Great to be with you this morning. Yeah, it's uh, been fun uh, journey together. I know if uh, people listen regularly to the Faith Radio Network, they probably recognize your 
voice from Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Guy Talk on Thursdays. I know you and I are together on that and uh, do some work on that end. So it's just it's great to have you on board. I, uh, you're sort of known as 007. You, you pop in and pop out uh, where you're able to. You've got the great hair, the great beard. You're, you're young, and, and you've got sort of all of this relevance that I never have. So it, it's, it's oh, wonderful man. to chat with you. And, Justin, I know you and I were talking off the air both uh, this morning as well as last night uh, about just what we're seeing in the next generation and some of the young people. And I've invited the listeners to write in questions, thoughts, comments about the future of the organized church being different than God's kingdom. And uh, mm-hmm. had a great question. Maybe we'll just start right out of the shoot with you on yeah. this, uh, where the writer Jason writes in and says, not to ask you to be negative, which I really appreciate that, Jason, but are there certain denominations that I should steer clear of because they lack biblical doctrine? When I see different branches of the churches, I always wonder mm. what caused the split. And, and what a relevant mm. question, because it's another one of the mm-hmm. things that young people say, right? Is they're like, yeah. how do we ever get to 500 denominations and everybody's splitting <laughs> in power and strife? And why do I want to be a part of that deal? So what would be sort of initial response to Jason's yeah. question? Yeah, that's a... That's a great question from from you, Jason, and and certainly a, a, just a, I mean, huge can of worms that could be opened up huge. here, right? Yep. But um, I, I think two things initially come to mind, um, at least uh, kind of categorically, and, and certainly we could press each of these much deeper. But um, first, I, I always want to, when a question comes up, okay, I say, okay, Lord, is this is this a new problem or is this just a really old problem presenting itself in a new way? Mm. And you know, the scripture that came to my mind was 1 Corinthians 1.10, uh, Paul writing to the Corinthians, which um, certainly had a lot of divisions and factions among them. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be in, united in the same mind and the same judgment. And then he goes on to say, it's been reported that to me that there's been quarreling. Um, and he says, some say, I follow Paul, I'll, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. And then he goes on to talk about is Christ divided, and 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 I think one of the reasons why we see so many divisions and, and factions and even denominations within the Protestant uh, Church, um, and, and nowadays I think it's really been kind of coined a Christian celebrityism, when people really begin to line up and pledge uh, really their allegiance and the, and they're they're thinking it's towards Christ, but really it's towards the the charisma or the giftedness or the perceived godliness or character or fruitfulness of a ministry. And and I think I see a lot of that. And I think that's something this next generation really, really sniffs out and they can see that, they can sense it. And and it really they're they're adverse to it. But some are actually sucked into it also at the same time. Um so I think that's one thing. I think they're following um leaders and uh, of denominations, pastors, figures, authors, that type of thing, more than they're actually following Christ. And the second thing that comes to my mind, you know, in the realm of Christianity, um, and this is maybe at risk of an oversimplification, but there are, you know, what could be called close-handed issues and open-handed issues. And those close-handed issues um, need to be very few and very clear. And these are the, the absolute bare essentials of what it means to be a Christian. You're going to see this in a lot of statements of faith, but again, that's you know believing that God is a Trinity, that the Word of God is is inerrant and authoritative, that Jesus is the is the Son and our Savior, that we um, that we need to be rescued from our sin, that He came, that He's coming back again. Those those types of things. You think about even like the Apostles' Creed, but then there are these open-handed issues, a lot of different things that we can have strong convictions about. That might be church governance, that might be gifts, that might be 
you know, the way ministries are, are, are uh, function on, and uh, the way that they're constructed. And I think what often tends to be the case is we try to place open-handed issues into, into the close-handed category of Christianity. And really, I think most denominations are built around those secondary issues rather than the primary issues, which means, among other things, um, and I'm saying a lot here, but that, that we can fight to have a common ground. And wherever listeners are coming from, whatever denominational background, and I'm a denominational mutt, so I, I, I've been kind of all <laughs> over the place. Right. Um, but I think we can fight to have the common ground, but I think we can also have the wisdom to point out to say, we don't need to divide over this, um, whether that be over a leader or over that might be uh, over the kind of the second-handed or secondary or open-handed issues as it pertains to our Christian faith. Yeah, it's such a good point you bring up. And interestingly enough, I know you didn't have a chance to catch uh, last hour when we talked to David French, but that was his point that he was mm. making as well, is that we've we've sort of had this celebrity culture of Christianity in which in some ways people are kind of invited to, even young people in Christian ministry programs, Mm-hmm. They, they they have sort of this perceived sense of call that God is inviting them to do something. And and then the doing something around all of that means starting a ministry or starting a brand mm-hmm. or starting a website or starting something where they get their voice out there. And it kind of lends to this whole idea of, of personal brands and, and different churches and, and ministries developing. Justin, I'm curious your thoughts on um, the idea of a more geographically located church, instead of being a destination mm. church where people go to mm. because they like the product or they like what's happening or, or just streaming things, uh, mm-hmm. that I, I lived overseas long enough to be in a situation where, at least in Scotland, the churches weren't competing against one another. They they saw themselves as the shepherds of mm. a certain community, and then they wouldn't go mm. outside of that community, and it didn't matter if the people came to the church. They wanted them to come mm-hmm. to church on a Sunday morning, but what mm-hmm. they saw themselves as being is the shepherds of that given community. So it wasn't yeah. this suburb fighting against this suburb or this church in competition mm. with this church. They were all working together in these yep. communities. Is that too, too high in the sky? Is that too idealistic? Or is that maybe <laughs> one of the remedies that churches are like, hey, look, we're the people of God, and we're just going to minister to the community around us. We don't need to build some big brand and some big business right. church to be successful. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I, I think on one hand, you know, Peter, it's really interesting to think about how you look at the global church and you look at, you know, where's the global church thriving? Where is it growing? And and honestly and strikingly so, even even despite all of the resources, all of the giftedness, all of the high-profile leaders that we have in North America and in the West— um, the churches in the in, in our country is one of the areas of the world where it's not growing, and and you, and you look at where it is growing, and it, ha- it tends to be growing in places where there's church there's churches that are being planted in every village, um, and and they're they're local indigenous leaders that um, for the most part are bivocational. Now I'm not saying that's what we should move to. I get there's different culture, different context. Um, but really, these are small little movements, almost kind of like little points of light that are converging all over the globe. And um, they're not about their own brand, their own denomination, their own kingdom, their own gathering spot, wherever that might be. They really have a, a kingdom focused and and how they are really with and for one another. And and I don't think that's a too pie in the sky thing for here in America. We see that actually in a lot of different places here in, in North America. One that comes to mind is a, a pastor friend of mine by the name of Sandy Robertson, who pastors down in Titusville, Florida, and um, on a weekly basis gathers with um, a couple dozen other local pastors to pray together. 
And when I say pray together, they actually are praying together. They're not coming together to commiserate about the giving and about the budget and about who's coming and who's not and their program. They're really they're laboring in prayer, striving together in prayer together and for one another. They're giving each other's uh, churches name and voice in their services. And and I think that really demonstrates to people that hey, it's not about us. It's not about our individual church or gathering lo- location. It, it, it's about a kingdom of God focus. And so I would say for listeners, wherever you see a church that uh, whose pastor is giving a name and a voice and, um, and, and time and prayer for service in, the, in your service, uh, that's a church that I think that you should be drawn to and lean into because there's a special work of God's grace there. Mm-hmm. Justin, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we have some more questions coming in the text line just about church and ideas and thoughts and moving forward. I really appreciate the insight that you have. And I will ask you when we come back from break as well what your favorite ice cream flavor is. Welcome to the First Church of Mercy Where the doors of love swing open wide No matter who you are, no matter what you've done You can come inside Welcome back to the show. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for the day. We're talking with Justin Jepson about this future of the church. We're clearly in a different time moving forward within the expression of Christianity in our country. Justin, we have a lot of uh, text coming in here, some great questions from the listeners. Let me give you this one here. A uh, listener writes in, God help us that we have salad bar Christianity. I've seen the next generation add and take away from God's word to fit their lifestyle. I think in fairness, we could probably say that about uh, generations all throughout the last uh, yeah. several hundred years. But kind of comment mm-hmm. just generally on that. I think it's an important insight that we sort of emphasize or, or add things to our Christianity and take away from it sort of as a point of convenience for us or what we care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, gosh, yeah, and I want to be very careful here again. uh, And I I know our our heart overarching, right, for this, not only this segment, but for the show and the ministry of Faith Radio is, you know, we are not anti-church. Right, Um, not at all. Right, right. We are for what Jesus loves and and gave himself for, and and it's Jesus's church, and he's building his church. But I think um, that aspect of when Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We look at the way Jesus led. He didn't necessarily and often did not cater to the preferences of people. Um, in fact, when people's needs were being met and and they were liking what he was doing and there were greater crowds, he would often give them a more difficult teaching uh, really as a way to test them, to say a more revelation of himself and who he is and what he's about. And actually, he would thin out the crowds. So when you look at like the the church, you look at that as a planting model. You look at that as like a gathering model. Like Jesus doesn't model what we're doing um, here, often in North America, where I think with our tendency is to cater um, to the parishioner, to the congregant, almost like they are a customer, and we want to provide a menu for them uh, of things to choose from. And not not that it's good to have a diversity of programs and to meet a family where they're at and have a holistic perspective. I'm not against that at all. But but I think I think we sometimes uh, very uh, very slightly and, and, and subversively invert that idea of that. Am I really building? Whose church are we part, a part of building? Is it my church? Is it my kingdom? Or is it Jesus's church? Is it his kingdom? And I think that it's the way um, the leaders often, I think, are leading, and I can see that to myself. Of how how can I gather people? What can I do? And how we even measure, um, you know, what's our rubric even of success? And so often it's measured by 
budgets and buildings and 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 uh, bottoms and seats. I guess we can say I'll be appropriate here mm. for the morning show. <laughs> um, and and so I think I think that's something that we need to take a serious look at. So I think it's not so much a a people problem, um, but I think we look at how are pastors and leaders leading the church and leading God's flock as under shepherds. Mm. Uh, Justin, as if we need any more evidence that our listeners are often quite a bit smarter than you and I combined, we have a great question yeah. coming in from <laughs> Joe this morning. Joe asked this question, did the book of Acts focus on the global mm. church or on local churches? And then he followed up by saying, it seems to me that the Holy Spirit will work through each local church to address the issues important to that church, which may not be the issues that are perceived to be global. Pretty interesting comment. What would you say about that, mm. Justin? Yeah, that is a great comment. Very insightful. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, uh, you know, very much when you think of local versus global, um, the book of actually kind of gives us a both and, you know, and really the, 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 the rubric of that or the kind of the theme of the book of Acts, we see r- late Jesus laid out in Acts 1, 8, you know, probably a familiar verse to many listeners, but he says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And so, um, and, and we see that's exactly what, what happened. Um, we see the church planted um, in Jerusalem. We see that Actually, it was persecution persecution that drove them to spread the gospel and to plant other churches in, in smaller local areas in Samaria and Judea. And then we see in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas being sent out um, to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, to the ends of the earth. And what's, what's interesting about that, I think what brings the two together, Peter, um, really the book of Acts can be divided in half by prayer meetings. I mean, the church was birthed mm. in Acts 2 by, by a prayer meeting. What were they doing? They're gathering in one place— Altogether, they were laboring constantly in the place of prayer, like Jesus told them to do. Tarry into the city until you clothed with power from on high. And then what are they? And then you see multiple places of of prayer and persecution as really the conduits of spreading the gospel and planting the churches towards the ends of the earth. But it isn't until Acts thirteen and and the church in Antioch, um, and in the in the north region Judea, and then they were pray, worshiping the Lord with prayer and fasting, and then. The Holy Spirit said, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. And then they continued praying and fasting and worshiping, laid their hands on them, sent them out. And so I think the, that that context of prayer both gives us an insight into what the Holy Spirit has for us within our given location um, and uh, our geography, our neighborhood. But it also helps us connect what we're doing here in a local in a local way how that's connected to God's global purpose and how the local church can be connected in partnering with the global church in strategic and intentional ways. Yeah, thanks for the question, Joe. Justin, that was a great answer to that. I think uh, it's another topic for another time, but what you described also can help remedy the intense loneliness and isolation that I know we have our young people yeah. experiencing. If they if they lived in a localized, geographically-based area with relationships that were not 20 miles, 30 miles, 50 miles, 200 miles away, mm-hmm. or virtual relationships only, it can also remedy that. Before we run, we've just got about 30 seconds left. We've been talking about ice cream all morning, uh, Justin. <laughs> it's National Chocolate Ice Cream Day. Is uh, that your favorite uh, ice cream flavor, or what do you have differently? That's, uh, you know, I love that they, I wonder if vanilla or strawberry is feeling left out, but I think we'll have to, <laughs> you know. But actually, yes, personally, chocolate is my favorite, but actually chocolate peanut butter swirl Thank from you. Nelson's Ice Cream Thank you. and Stillwater. You pay $3.50, you get more chocolate and peanut butter than you could than you should eat in like a week so it's totally worth your money a lot of bang for your buck i have no affiliation with them so 
I'm not trying to, you know, you're not going to get any, I'm not getting any royalties if you go there, but go there. It's a great day to go get some chocolate peanut butter swirl ice cream. From uh, I, w- one of the only places of disagreement maybe I'll ever have with you is that you can have too much chocolate peanut butter ice cream. I see no scenario where too much <laughs> is ever in play. Justin, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Looking forward to the next time we have a chance to chat. Me too. Thank you so much, Peter. We'll take a short break and wrap up the show here for the 7th of June on Mornings Without Carmen. It's summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime, summertime, summertime. Thanks for all the delightful and fun text this morning about ice cream, the Lollapalooza, whether you had a button from Bridgman's, different flavors and suggestions as well. And in the course of our conversation, appreciate all of the, you writing in with your different thoughts and questions and insights about life in the church. Love doing the beginning of the day with all of you as fellow believers linking arms together in this kingdom that knows no end. And so even as we do continue to wrestle through where we are in this season of time, the season of institutional faith, in our country, some of the disturbing headlines, all of those things, we need to remember the hope that that tomb is empty. And that means that the power of sin and death has been forever beaten and the gates of hell can never prevail ultimately against the beautiful church and the kingdom of God. We have a long ways to go, but there is always hope ahead. Catch us again tomorrow here on Mornings Without Carmen. I'm Peter Kapsner, and we'll be here again in the morning. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.